So I've been trying to record myself <laughs> in the past half hour. But it just seems like whenever I try to listen to myself, it just kind of seems like I'm trying to lower my voice. Um, and it's, it's not, I don't find it pleasing to my ears. <laughs> so I'm just going to do it again. Okay, this one's on self-respect. <clears throat> to have that sense of one's intrinsic worth, which constitutes self-respect, is potentially to have everything. The ability to discriminate, to love, and to remain indifferent. The lack it is to be locked within oneself, paradoxically incapable of either love or indifference. If we do not respect ourselves, we are on the one hand forced to despise those who have so few resources as to consort with us, so little perception as to remain blind to our fatal weaknesses. On the other, we are enthralled to everyone we see, curiously determined to live out, since our self-image is untenable, their false notions of us. We flatter ourselves by thinking this compulsion to please others an attractive trait, a gist for imaginative empathy, evidence of our willingness to give. Of course, I will play Francesca to your Paolo. Helen Keller to anyone's Annie Sullivan. No expectation is too misplaced, no role too ludicrous. At the mercy of those who cannot but hold in contempt, they play roles doomed to failure before they are begun. Each defeat, generating fresh despair at the urgency of divining and meeting the next demand made upon us. It is the phenomenon sometimes called alienation from self. In its advanced stages, we no longer answer the telephone because someone might want something. That we could say no without drowning in self-reproach is an idea alien to this game. Every encounter demands too much, tears the nerves, drains the will, and the specter of something as small as in an answered letter arouses such disproportionate guilt that answering it becomes out of the question. To assign unanswered letters their proper weight, to free us from the expectations of others, to give us back to ourselves. There lies the great, the singular power of self-respect. Sometimes in your mathematics career, you find that your slow progress and careful accumulation of tools and ideas has suddenly allowed you to do a bunch of new things that you couldn't possibly do before. Even though you were learning new things that were use useless by themselves, when they've all become second nature, a whole new world of possibility appears. You've leveled up, if you will. Something clicks, but now there are new challenges, and now things you were barely able to think about before suddenly become critically important. It's usually obvious when you're talking to somebody a level above you, because they see lots of things instantly when those things take considerable work for you to figure out. These are good people to learn from, because they remember what it's like to struggle in the place where you're struggling, but the things they do still make sense from your perspective. You just couldn't do them yourself. Talking to somebody two or more levels above you is a different story. They're barely speaking the same language, and it's almost impossible to imagine that you could ever know what they know. You can still learn from them if you don't get discouraged, but the things they want to teach you 
seem really philosophical and you don't think they'll help you, but for some reason, they do. Somebody three levels above you is actually speaking a different language. They probably seem less impressive to you than the person two levels above you because most of what they're thinking about is completely invisible to you. From where you are, it is not possible to imagine what they think about or why. You might think you can, but this is only because they know how to tell entertaining stories. By one of the, these story, any one of these stories probably contains enough wisdom to get you halfway through your next level if you put in enough time thinking about it.